Welcome to Tanked Up, we drink craft beer, we talk about video games, weekly or otherwise, quite possibly. I'm Ben Nova, I'm joined by Arakoji. Hello, uh, quick question, uh, when yes. you say we talk about video games weekly, does, are you saying that we aren't that great at it? Yeah, we don't talk about them strongly, No. just Ill, ill-informed comments about games we've never played. Well, sometimes, sometimes apparently we don't do that. <laughs> Sometimes we do play some games and talk about them. Um, this week, as with every week, we're going to talk about the games we've been playing. We're going to drink some very exciting and hopefully excellent beers. Um, and we're, at the end of the podcast, going to chat a little bit about the topic this week, which will be um, just a couple of our impressions from um, Microsoft's Gamescom 2015 conference, as it happened earlier today. So we're very well placed to chat about it. Um, but first, I suppose we should crack into some beers. What are you drinking first, Ado? Uh I'm drinking the Hop City Barking Squirrel Lager. Nice. Um, which is, um, I just found out, actually, that apparently Hop City is a secret non-microbrew uh, um, brewery. It's actually run by... Um, or I was told it's, it's run by an, uh, Moosehead, which is uh, a much bigger... Sort of, in the East, it's one of the big breweries. Yeah, so I've heard of Moosehead. Moosehead, yeah. So this is a... Um, bar, so their Hop City Brewing is their, like, competition for microbrews. Sort of yep. have an indie label. Okay. Like Touchstone or Miramax being part... Uh, actually part of Disney or something like that. I can't remember which one it is, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah I know yeah. what you mean. Nice, nice. Well, I've got a, a sort of a similar beer, actually, but it won't be the one I drink first. I've got a Meantime London Pale Ale, oh. and they've just been bought by um, Sab Miller, which me and Alex spoke about on a podcast a few episodes ago. Um, but they're a, a small London craft brewery that have been bought out by a much larger brewery corporation. Um, but the first beer I'm going to drink is a Camden Hell's Lager. So I thought I'd start on something a little lighter this week than the uh, the normal ales that we drink. Yeah, I mean, the Barking Squirrel uh, is a lager as well. Um, it even, uh, it's for Alex's sake, uh, I will read the description from Barking Squirrel Lager. It's 24 IBU amber lager brewed with a blend of Hallertau, Mittelfruh, and Saz hops. Perfectly balanced by Canadian Pale Two-Row Crystal and Munich Malts. Mm. Nice, nice. Well, I can tell you that the the Camden Hells, uh, the malt is Pilsner, okay, and the hops are Pearl and Haller Tower, which I may not be saying correctly. Ah, uh, that's um, the one I tried to say. Haller Tower, perhaps. Haller Tower. Haller Tower. It's T A U, right? Uh, I got T A U E R. Oh. My ball. Ooh, a little bit different. This is what the podcast is like without our resident beer expert. <laughs> exactly. He goes away for a week and we've got no idea what we're talking about. We just enjoy drinking beer instead. Oh, this is, um, this Camden Houses. 
I suppose as you would expect, it smells like a Pilsner normally does. It's very light in colour. Very light in colour. Quite carbonated. Not hugely, but... um, Actually, taste is quite flat. It's not doesn't sort of come across very carbonated at all in the taste, but it's quite a level, very nice pilsner. That's that's good. Excellent. Um, mm. The lager is on the nose, quite sweet. Not really strong, but just sort of a nice malty sweetness is pretty much all the nose has. I. Uh, the barbarian that I am forgot to grab a mug, so its coloration is pretty brown in the brown bottle. <laughs> a good brown bottle, which means it's probably not oxidized as much if it's in something else. But um... yeah, um, wow. The nose was more subtle than the taste. The taste is okay. kind of a lingering bitterness. Nice. It, it, yeah, it just tastes kind of like uh, a, a more malty than you're used to lager. Like, yeah. You know, that lager pep that you're, it's sort of, is it inherent? It's not there. Mm-hmm. You know, okay. A little more malty. It kind of reminds me a little of some of the red ales we've had. I think there's, there's some of that taste. I don't know where that's from. Probably one of the hops. But considering how many things they claim are in it, it's sort of, I was expecting more layers. Okay. Maybe they'll develop over time. Hmm. I mean, yeah, like, like I said, I, I like it. It's just... It's... Yeah. It leaves you flat, I guess. Okay, okay. It's not well, flat, but... Yeah, hopefully it will, as I said, hopefully it will develop over a little bit of time. Why don't you, um, why don't you kick us off with one of the games that you've been playing this week? Sure. What have I been playing? Um, I have, uh, now that I'm getting more settled, I have been <laughs> binging uh, in the horrible way of, like, just, oh, what about this game? And this game. Um, so I haven't been playing a lot consistently. Okay. Uh, two games probably I have the most are Torchlight, uh, well, three. Torchlight, Retro City Rampage, and I went back to Antichamber. Nice. Um, so I think we can start with Torchlight. Sure. I mean, that's the, the one game that I haven't, um, I've heard of it, but it's the one game that I haven't played. It's, um, the ones that you showed. Fair enough. Uh, it's a dungeon crawler style, um, really pretty cartoony, uh, yeah, dungeon crawler. So, uh, it's definitely in the the wake of your Diablos and your MMOs where you have yeah. a hot bar and it's mostly mouse driven for running. Okay. Um, it's the one thing that's a little weird. Uh, like, um, Marvel heroes. Sort of. Is, yeah. 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 So, I mean, yeah, it, it, no, I'm confusing my games. <laughs> no, it is. It's a West game. I don't know what I was yeah. talking about. Okay. Um, and there's, you start with one of three classes, um, your barbarian warrior, your thiefy rangery, and then your magi person, magi alchemist yep. person. The world is really neat. It's sort of got a slight steampunk vibe to it uh, for a fantasy game. Uh, like the magi guys, 
bio is that he's sort of like an alchemist and he's got steampunk style goggles and this little um thumbnail photo yeah yeah plate photo plate yeah um it's really uh it's fun uh combat i i wish i had started on hard or harder because the normal levels like i don't know how you could possibly die really yeah like even without even with my spell under leveled because i just like my main spell i leveled twice in nine levels and i'm still Mm -hmm. two-shotting things and one of the ones i got as a drop does more damage than it anyway and you can wands are single hand and you can dual wield So I just right last last session I played I got another even stronger wand. So now I have the one that was doing all the damage I needed to, so I didn't really need to use my spell. Plus one mm. that does one and a half times that damage. Nice, nice. So uh, and what's kind of neat though is you get a pet. Um, it's a ferret, a dog, <laughs> or a cat. Okay. Um, you've obviously gone with the ferret. Just no, it's the I, most... no, I went with a cat, actually. Mm. I was curious. I figured I'd go with cat, and then I'd have a thief with a ferret. I'm a mage character right now. Um, Good choice. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, those are usually my... T- I almost never play the warrior character um, when given the chance. I think part of that is because it's sort of the default in most games. So when given the choice, why would I not take a choice? Does that make sense? Sure. I mean, like, yeah, within a lot of games, often uh, the sort of the tank character... Um, and the the sort of the the DPS characters come across as very simple to operate, and they come across almost as the very easy sort of base level characters to be able to use. Um, and, and like you, I normally, if I'm playing a game where you have the option to pick a different kind of character, I try and go for a little bit more of a a difficult experience, I suppose, to try and get you know maybe to try and get something a little more out of the game than just running around hacking things with a sword and running up to the next thing you know you want a little bit of strategy within these kinds of games as well but is it um so you, you sort of say it's comparable to something like diablo is it very much loot driven yeah loot driven you pick up uh loot well one of the nice things about your pet is it has the same size inventory as you and you can wow. fill it with your trash and then yeah. send it to town <laughs> and it disappears for a while and comes back with the money for all that crap. So you don't actually pretty, have to leave. pretty trusting of your pet. Um, what, um, then, and you just lose its fighting power, um, which I think is okay. What, um, and you can get like stats that up, uh, like will reduce its time to run to town and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it fights alongside you as well. Yeah, it's just like a it's a permanently by your side and attack. You can put it in. It's just like in Warcraft, uh, World of Warcraft. Mm-hmm. You can put it in aggressive, defensive, or neutral mode. Um, and because the game is right now so easy, I just leave it in aggressive. And a lot of the lower characters just seem to die before I can get to them. Like the the cat runs off while I'm oh look over there. There's a chest. I get the chest, come back, and there's a bunch of dead guys. I'm like. <sighs> <laughs> Um, so I think I'll probably start Thief character on hard or extra hard uh, and just see how that goes because it's, sort yeah. of, it's a little flat gameplay-wise. And okay. I'm in the early levels and like you come to the town of Torchlight and there's a mine and so I've fought through the mine and then some, like the, the plot and a couple side quests and re- they've revealed that there's a necropolis un- underneath the mine and the ne- necropolis, it looks like the difficulty level has jumped. Um, so... Hopefully that will be the case because, you know, 
right, I and my mage character, uh, I went not knowing how strong the pets were. I went sort of to the lore, which is pets. So now, uh, sometimes when uh, mobs die, they leave their corpses stay around, and I have a spell which, um, when I activate it, I, up to two corpses will turn into little imp minions. Nice. Um, so now, after playing for a bit, I have three pets which just sort of run off, usually in the same direction, but sometimes the AAI is a little spotty and they have tracking problems. And then <laughs> when, when they track a wrong way, they take a different turn and start attacking other things, which yeah. if the game wasn't so easy, I'd be way more frustrated, I think. But right now, mm. they're, they're killing the things over there for me. So they're not drawing aggro, dying, and then sending it to me. Yeah, um, you can just stroll through the dungeon, picking up the loot as you go, as your minions just yeah. disappear and destroy everything. The two things that are sort of interesting uh, quirks are that you have you start with the two types of scrolls, and you can buy those from the vendors. One's a town portal scroll, um, which means you can at any point drop a portal, go to town, up your gear or enchant it or whatever, which I haven't even looked at enchanting, and then go right back to wherever you laid the portal. So they have checkpoints, but there's also, like, an immediacy of, like, oh, I can just stop and go back, which, if MMOs had that, that'd be so good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's one of the big things with um, MMOs, and a lot of games that have these kinds of mechanics in them, or inventory management, is that something like The Witcher 3 as well, you've constantly got to go back to town because you hit your weight or your bag is full, and you're almost a constant back and forth to try and be able to flog stuff for money that, in a lot of these games, you don't really need because stuff doesn't scale with the amount of loot that you're getting and the money that you're getting and stuff. So it's with a lot of it, it does seem quite arbitrary, but it's quite nice that you can sort of down tools as such, disappear to town, flog everything, and come back where you um, where you left off. Yeah, uh, I think I really like the weight concept, like the way Skyrim does it as well, where because it always pissed me off that, like, holding five flowers is the same as holding five giant battle axes. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, Skyrim, it, there was really no point in, in carrying loot because you could just steal... You could just steal a lot, right? Near, just rob a couple places near the vendor and you'd probably get enough stuff to buy whatever you wanted. Yeah, Loot notwithstanding. Yeah. It's very true. I mean, economy and things like that are something that some games don't really quite get on top of and it's almost a, a secondary sort of thought not saying it was a secondary sort of thought with you know Torchlight or Skyrim or any of these sort of games but it, it doesn't quite seem as if they've put as much development into that as they have into some of the other systems well I think that's one of the crafting in MMOs is, is like the reason why you have stable economies and without that like it just having item drops needed by people so that people like the invisible hand um, will just work and yeah. the, the, the devs don't have to really try and balance things because the market will literally find a balance some way. Yeah. Um, and if it's really unbalanced, they can step in without that. When it's just vendors buying crap, it's much harder to, to sort of make money matter. Cause mm. like you said, yeah. it's really hard to scale. Definitely. Um, and some games have it where the tougher areas, things are more expensive, but then 
yeah, it just it, it, I can't I can see it being really tough. I'd be curious to what um, a developer would would say to that actually. Mm, mm. No, so would you uh, with Torchlight? Would you play it over something like Diablo? Is it a, a better game, perhaps, or is it a different game? I think it's a different game. It, it's, uh, I mean, so far there's not a lot of strategy. Um, it seems, and because it's, it's a save anywhere as well, like you just quit the game and it starts you wherever you were. Okay. Um, so it feels much more, a little more twitch and a little more casual, which explains why regular difficulty is so easy. Uh, but mm. it's still fun. Uh, I haven't actually looked into its multiplayer capabilities, but that would be that'd be fun. Yeah. Um, uh, did you play this? Uh, so this is through Steam. Yeah, it's just actually well, it is a Steam game, but I got it on a good old, good old games for pennies at some okay. point. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, it's a Steam game. I just heard like a two. PC game, I suppose we should say, not a Steam game such. Mm. Um. Yeah, I think my, I don't know if it's out for any any of the consoles. To be honest, oh yeah, it came out uh, on the Xbox. Apparently. Okay. Uh, and then Torchlight Two came out uh, recently as well. Mm, well, maybe that's maybe that's why I'd heard of it because um, following a lot of things more recently, maybe I'd heard of the second one coming out. So um, I think I've got a couple of friends who. Uh, you know, you go on Steam occasionally, and someone is is playing it. But um, yeah, it's never really been one that I've um, oh, I recently felt I mean, the need to jump into. It came out in 2012, while the original came out in 2009. It just it wow. came out on Macs and Linux this year, which is why yeah, it, okay. it popped up on my Steam. I think Cause mm. as a new game because I use a MacBook Air as my daily laptop. Yeah, it's probably why I thought it was newer than it is. Um, but uh, they, both of them have gotten pretty good reviews. Um, I'd like to go a little further, but right now it's just sort of a dungeon crawler. Yeah, yeah. But it's nice to know that um, the developer, at least, although the publisher may have got someone else to do it, but it's still being supported as such and has been ported over to Max, you know, very recently to branch out to a, a bigger group of people as well. It's nice to see sort of games being updated and being broadened to bigger groups of people. Yeah. The, um, the thing I will say is... Um, I've lost it. Totally don't remember what I was going to say. <laughs> the beer has affected you already. My four sips. Exactly, exactly. Well, if that's the case, perhaps I shall jump to the game that I've been playing uh, most over the last sort of week or so which I thought as it's just me and you I'd also bring back free game of the week ooh exciting and the game that I've been playing is a game from about 2000 it's before that it's from about 1996 ooh that's exciting um, and it's called Transport Tycoon Deluxe ooh um, it was a game by Microprose um, who did a lot who, of those yeah uh, but this version of the game is um, uh, open source. Oh. So you can just search for Open TTD, Open Transport Tycoon Deluxe, and it's uh, a free version of the game. Very small file size. You, you'll have it almost instantly to be able to play. Uh, and basically, you own a transport company, and you have to build transport links between various randomly generated towns, 
across the landscape. It's very slow. It's very relaxing. There's no immediacy to it whatsoever. Um, you know, it's one of those games that you can come home, stick it on, go and make some dinner and allow it to just tick over whilst you do that, come back to find you've made, you know, a hundred thousand and you can then build another railway between a few closer towns. It's, it's nice in some of the mechanics that it has uh, to drive the game forward. So you get different subsidies, you know, one town wants you to get passengers to another town. So, you, you know, all of the players uh, rush to then, or at least you and the, the AI <laughs> rush to get um, passengers, be the first person to get that because a subsidy then brings in two or four times the normal income that it would do. Right. Um, you can you can plunge money into towns, you can build new buildings for them, build new roads for them. So you can expand different towns so you can create your own even small transport empire just between five or six towns rather than having to go across the whole map. Oh, cool. Um, you've also got um, various industries which you then move goods and resources between so you can ferry um, or train or lorry timber to a sawmill. It produces goods. You take that to the town. The town also then grows, which then gives you more passengers within the town. Um, and it, it's it's very nice. It's sort of systems upon systems upon systems all working together based upon how you build your transport network. Um, and, and almost everything you do can benefit something else. Um, and, and for a free game, it's even, you know, it's, uh, as I said, it's an open source game. It was built on, I'm not sure whether it was built from scratch, but it was built to emulate the original game with a few extra uh, features from the original game from 96. So hmm. graphically, not fantastic, but it doesn't need to be. Yeah. Um, it's sort of like an isometric view map. Um, Standard tycoon style. Exactly, exactly. Um, but just to be able to sort of sit here and lord it up over the other transport empires on your map and know that you are king of buses. Is the bus king. Quite, exactly, bus king. quite a satisfying uh, thought, really. Slash, slightly sad thought. Know that I'm sat here on my evening thinking, I am the king of buses, yes. So if you win, you are bus king, and if you lose, you are bus king? Exactly. You've just got to go on the street with your guitar, pretend yeah. like you can play and sing, try and get a little bit of change. Probably outside the bus station. Yeah. Uh, so um, it comes full circle. That actually sounds like um, the game that City Skyline Company... Uh, came out with before. Um, yep, I'm trying to think of their name, and I can't. It's Paradox uh, Interactive who published it. I can't think who the developer is. Um, uh, Cities in Motion? Yes. XXL. Yes. Uh, sort of a city builder based upon sort of the transport systems and networks. And apparently, um, secretly, our friends over at um, Three Moves Ahead we're talking about City Skyline a few episodes okay. ago, um, yeah. about, probably a month or two back, and uh, and, and they re- they uh, revealed that essentially City Skylines boils down to a transport simulator because almost all problems are solved by your roads being in good kit and, and access <laughs> being in the right way. 
Yeah, I think um, that was almost the same with um, with Sim City when it was re- rebooted as such. I suppose it's Sim City Five, isn't it? But you mean Sim City trademark? Yeah, yeah. When it came out a couple of years ago, it was it was all about having your roads in good condition, having the right size roads to be able to move people and services and things about them and stuff. Which is a large part of urban planning anyway. Like, I, I mean, Completely. You, you can't get away from it. It's just, it's, I, find, I, I thought it was pretty entertaining that uh, Cities in Motion was kind of a flop, like didn't really work with the public. But say, City Skyline sounds like it's, they're just making a lot of money on it. A lot of people yeah. are enjoying it. And it's basically... Why don't we just call it skylines, make prettier buildings, and essentially do the same thing uh, in the actual game mechanic ways? Like, you still really need to figure out roads. Yeah, definitely, definitely. City Skylines was one of the games that I was really looking forward to. Um, but loads of other uh, sort of games have, have got in the way as such of me being able to, to play it. And I've been waiting for it to drop in price a little bit to be able to pick it up. But it always seems to... I know it was in the, a sale not that long ago, but it, it seems to retain its or has retained its price quite well um, since its release. Like it never seems to drop too much, um, so I might just have to take the plunge at some point and just just front up the cash for it. You know, if it's a good game, then why shouldn't I do that? They des- probably deserve that money. Deserve is a strong claim, sir. <laughs> Very true. Very um, true. Uh, yeah, I don't remember how much the sale was. Uh, but I can tell you through the magic of the internet that the lowest price it's ever been. Oh yeah, seventeen seventeen bucks. Yeah, I think over here it was. It's about I think it's about twenty two, twenty three pounds, and I think on sale it went down to about sixteen, something like that. But um, when it was on sale, I wasn't here, so I'd actually missed it. So I just have to wait till the next one. Um, right now you can get it for twenty four dollars. Through Green Man Gaming and their current twenty uh, percent off coupon. Nice. I don't know if you uh, have this extension, Enhanced Steam extension, for your browser. No, I don't. No. Oh, this is a good thing for all you Steam addicts, PC gamers out there. Um, I used to always go through Steam using the Steam app, etc. But these very clever people um, have made the Enhanced Steam um, extension. And basically, on Steam, it overlays everything. You pick your currency, um, and on all of the pages, it tells you... First of all, it puts a little globe icon um, next to uh, the price, and it'll actually tell you what the... Based on current exchange rates, what the price is in other countries. Nice. Um, And also, it tells you the current lowest price, pulling, like, legitimate sources like Green Man Gaming who are official reseller. Um, yep. But it, like I said, it tells tells me that it's twenty three ninety nine in Green Man Gaming and it gives me the coupon code. Nice. Um, That's cool. And, and it also tells you the historic lowest price and when it was. And then if you click on um, info or whatever, it'll take you to isthereanydeal.com uh, which is another website which tracks all the Steam sales and stuff. And it gives you like, is there any deal dot com is also great because it gives you uh, when the last sale was, the highest cut, the lowest price, and it shows you that over the past, I think it's six months, um, how, the, how much the price has fluctuated. Yeah, 
uh, and then so it'll literally tell you like, oh, this game almost like, goes on sale quite a bit, or like it has it's only been on sale once before in the past six months, so this sale's probably worth it, even though it's not quite as good as the last sale. Oh, that's, um, that's quality. That's, I'll have to um, I'll have to jump into that definitely. Yeah. So is there any deal dot com? Is just a very busy website, but yeah. you get mo- like for the average person, I think um, you should definitely if you use Steam have the enhanced Steam uh, extension because it just lets you know like oh. First of all, it's cheaper on this other site. Mm. Or, um, yeah, it looks like uh, the deluxe edition. Uh, oh, interesting. So, Green Man Gaming has a regular edition for twenty three ninety nine, and uh, Games Planet UK has the deluxe edition for twenty three thirty nine. So it's actually cheaper somewhere on the internet to get the deluxe edition. No, that seems like a very fucking useful tool. <laughs> yes, uh, I think that's a good uh, proof concept. Um, also, Game Planet UK uh, is probably something that you should look at. Yeah, that's not a site I've used either. Uh, I didn't know about it either. I wonder. I don't actually know what's in the deluxe edition, to be honest. I lose track. Oh, oh well, you get like a soundtrack or a few different skins for buildings. Um, so, uh, I'm sorry, I'm just surfing the net now narrating it apparently on this podcast, but... <laughs> Uh, you get the soundtrack, the art book, and you also get um, in-game items such that you can build the Eiffel Tower, Ground Central Station, Statue of Liberty, Brandenburg Gate, and the Arc de Triomphe. Nice. Notable buildings. Or notable structures, I should yeah. say. Not all of those buildings. But if that interests you, you can get them for 60 cents less than, <laughs> than not getting them. Anyway. Nice, nice. So, that's my... Um, how to get addicted to buying Steam games uh, tip is... How to uh, get addicted very easily to buying Steam games tip. Yeah, so that's three websites I've mentioned today, actually. I have a problem. <laughs> Bundle Stars. Oh, I mentioned Bundle Stars to you off-air. That's that's right. Um, Bundle you Stars is a thing. So what's the, so the next game that you've been playing? Yeah, what was the next game I've been playing? Retro City Rampage DX. Yes. Which you've played as well, right? Um, I played the original. I've not played the version that you got, but I played the original when it was on. What was it on? PlayStation One. Yeah, I think. So. Was it that old? I think so. I don't think it's a PS Two game. I'm sure it's a PS One game. It's where you come along and school me with your knowledge. By that you mean, where no, it it, it came out in 2012, sir. Are you really? Still thinking about the same game. What game am I thinking about then? Describe the game you've been playing. Uh, it's basically, it looks like, uh, it's basically a tongue-in-cheek GTA 1 uh, clone. Um, okay, it's not lot, what I was thinking of. It's a lot busier because, of course, computers can handle a lot. But it's it's essentially, if GTA 1 was a bunch of... Um, not quite accurate for copyright reason um, pop culture references layered on layered on layered yeah. like in the beginning mission I bumped, I uh, got a, the uh, attention of the cops and so the Ninja Turtles came after me um, <laughs> then I think well, of the A-team um, then I stole the TARDIS but then ran into Doc Brown who sent me on a mission, uh, and then that mission led me to uh, basically Solid Snake sending me to infiltrate stealthily an army base. 
Oh, this sounds fucking awesome. Oh, it is. Uh, it is. I might say it's one of my. It's easily in my top open world games, and it's a GTA One clone, and it's pixelated. Um, oh, what have you been playing it on? Uh, I've been playing it on the wall uh, on my PC. Uh, it came yeah. out for uh, PS3, Vita, uh, Xbox Live, Windows, and apparently there's a 3DS version, uh, which was the. Um, which was the 3DS was the DX version. I don't know what was actually enhanced. Um, Deluxe, you would imagine DX yeah, stands for. But I, I just don't know what matters. Um, but yeah, basically, actually, I don't think it's Doctor Who. I think the time traveling telephone booth might be that you steal, um, which is like the plot point. Um, I think it might be more of a Bill and Ted's reference, given yeah, what yeah. it looks like. Um, but yeah, you you basically need to fix the the, the telephone booth and Doc Chalk, that's Doc Chalk Brown. Um, he he tells you all the pieces you need to collect, etc. It's um, it's really fun. Um, it's it's got it's got one of the problems with the original GTA was it sort of was sluggish in response. Yep. It's very tight. The driving, even though it's still that basically eight degrees of movement, like you either go forward, diagonal, up, uh, you know, diagonal, top top left, etc. Yeah, um, yeah. But you can still pull a lot more tight maneuvers around things just because it's, it's um, responsive. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite features of this game is probably that um, you, in the setup, you can pick what screen you're playing it on. And it's basically you're in a frame of a tele- of, of a monitor or a television um, when you're playing the game. So it's like you're playing it on an old school monitor. Nice. Um, and like including like like the old school, I play it with a twist knob TV. But if you pick the, the depending on what screen you pick, it'll change what color options are available. So if you pick an okay. old enough screen, it's in monochrome or it's in EGA. Um, a lot of thought was put into like the retro part. It, it's not only retro references, but it's like solidly like they care and they put a lot of effort into the the stupidest things. Really, yeah, that's nice though, man. It's nice to know that they've uh, they've taken the time to to put in all the little details as well as um, you know all of the details on gameplay and things like that. It's nice to to have all of those extras. Uh, and actually feel immersed in in what they're trying to do in sort of the story that they're trying to tell. Yeah, um, yeah. It even has one of your battle fight moves that you learn from Solid Snake is, um, in order to uh, one of the best ways to deal with guys who have guns and are shooting at you is to jump over the bullet and then Mario stomp them. Nice. <laughs> you do a lot of damage stomping on people's heads, and you have to get the timing right. And it's a little different from Mario. You have to hit the stomp button, and you'll go wherever you are in midair. You'll just plummet, and you'll yeah. do damage to them. But yeah, it's just solid. It's a Fun fucking game. That's quality, man. Yeah, I nice. don't even know how much it is. I got it on sale a long time ago, but I hadn't got around. I hadn't played it in a while. Mm. I, it's it's fully eight bit, but because of the, the I mean, it's fairly detailed. Um, yeah. Even though, just because people have been doing good eight bit art for a long time now. Ooh, ten ninety nine right now. On Steam. On Steam, yeah. 
Um, it often goes on sale though, which you can check yeah. on that website that I mentioned earlier in the stop. Nice, good. But yeah, I, uh, I, I thir- that gets a high recommendation from me. It's been a long time since I've had that much fun with a game. Cool. Excellent. Well, I think that drags me at least to opening up another beer. Oh. As I've hammered through this Camden House because it's it's really nice. Um, while you open your beer, I'll yes. say that um, this barking squirrel, especially considering they called it Hop City, there's just not a lot of hoppy taste, let alone the layers of the five different hops they were going to have. It's quite tasty. Like You could easily sit on a patio and, and, and drink away at it. They do describe it as a session beer, and I think that's only because you there's nothing to get bored of. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah, yeah. You, it, one that you can easily just continue drinking. Yeah, it's it's not exciting, but it's not offensive. Mm-hmm. And you take that the way you will. Yeah. Uh, so what are you drinking? Um, so my second beer is, uh, meantime, London Pale Ale. Um, and as I said before, Alex and I have chatted about meantime previously um, when they were purchased by Sab Miller. We'd not had a, a beer on the podcast before by meantime and I haven't had a meantime beer before um, but this smells very good it's very hoppy it's, it's a, a nice amber color it looks like yeah there you go it's um you, you, there's not much else on the nose other than just a a lot of hops really but that's okay it looks like um, medium carbonation yeah it's not too carbonated it's a little a little flat, not muscly. Um, it's a nice taste. It's hoppy, not hugely so. It doesn't sort of you know really hit you um, like some of the bigger hoppy beers that we had, like the Sriracha Face Plant, which we had in the uh, the Witcher video, which um, sounded really tasty. Yeah, um, it's it's nice. It's nice. Uh, probably like the uh, the Barking Squirrel. It's a very easy beer to drink. Um, you know, even from the first couple of sips. It seems like something that I could probably keep drinking most of the evening. So the real question is, how many did you end up buying? How many did I buy? Yeah. One. Ah, so you can't actually drink it for the evening. No, I can't. I can't. Both of the, uh, to be fair, both of the beers that I've got are from uh, Marks and Spencers. Ah. Like the food, clothing, human shop that's over human shop. here in the UK. Human shop. I didn't realize um, that their use of um, of probably illegal labor went so far as actually selling people now. How does it indirect <laughs> still? <laughs> we didn't say that. We don't know anything. We don't know anything. No. Nobody tells us nothing. Um, but yeah, both of these are from Marks and Spencers. Uh, they've massively, I think in the last couple of months, just embarked on this um, quest to drag people who drink crap bit into their stores, I guess, to, to pick them up. And they've got quite a big selection um, in the, the Bristol City Centre shop. Um, and there's, you know, loads of different breweries there. They've got their own, um, or it looks like, I'm not sure whether they own it, but they seem to have some exclusive beers as well from, from somebody. So they seem to have, have delved right into, um, into craft beer, which is good. It's nice that another bigger player as well as sort of the other big supermarkets has has jumped on board to be able to sell it because it just means that it's more accessible to a lot more people. Yeah. Which is nice. 
question. Um, yes. So I recall the Tesco episode being a little more disappointing than you were sounding now. Is that correct? Would you say that Mark Spencer's done the craft route a little shrewder? Um, yeah, quite possibly. I think with the with the, the Tesco's beers that we had, um, at least one of them was um, sort of a brewed for Tesco's beer. Right. Um, and the other ones, I think two of them we had were Sharps Brew, which is a Cornish brew, which we'd not had before. Um, whereas most of the beers in Mark's Spencer's um, are from established sort of craft brewers. And uh, Tesco's had some established craft breweries in there. We just didn't pick those beers. We just went with a different range of beers. You know, I might be saying something completely different had I picked up the made-for-Marks-and-Spencers beers as such. You know, I may not have been having such a nice experience with my beers during the evening as I am as I am tonight. Um, but uh, possibly a, a later episode coming up. We'll just do a Marks-and-Spencers special. Unfortunately, we can't do anything like that here in Nova Scotia because you can only go to the NSLC. Yeah, they don't exist. Yeah. Although different NSLC locations do carry different stocks of craft beer. Or you could go to... A lot of the, we've got quite a few um, microbreweries here in Halifax that want craft beer. A handful, um, which you can just go straight to. Um, in fact, uh, the Boxing Rock, who I've spoken to quite... I've mm. had two or three now. Um, they show up to the Halifax Farmer's Market um, every weekend and give samples out, and you can get nice. their seasonals and stuff, and really big bottles of beer, like a liter and a half, where yeah. for really cheap, it just, you have to spend, you basically buy the bottle for like six bucks or something. Sure. But then the refills are like two or three. That's quite nice. So once you, and you just basically bring an old bottle in hand it to them, they give you another big bottle and you give them a couple bucks and you're like, well, this was a little too easy. Yeah, yeah. Really smart. That's always nice. Yeah, yeah, that's very good. That's very good. Um, so as we're now drinking... Oh, uh... I shall... Go on. No, no, no. How, how, what, what, what's the next beer that you're drinking? Uh, my second beer, um... Hilariously, also a Moosehead beer. Um, but, uh, in honor of the summer, because it is stiflingly hot uh, here. It's been really hot and sunny for the past week here in uh, Halifax, um, but now it's just horribly overcast and wet, so it doesn't quite make the patio beer that I planned this for. But it is a it is the Moose Light Rattler, um, which is a, a Rattler, for those of you not in the know, um, slash those of you who care about beer tend not to look at this side of the market. It is beer and juice. Not nice. beer and cider, beer and juice. In this case, uh, it is some lemon juice, some orange juice, and some grape juice in a light beer. That sounds interesting, if slightly odd. Wow, it, it, the nose is basically like sniffing a lemon. <laughs> I know uh, loads of uh, breweries now do, uh, I say breweries... Lots of different companies do like Radler style beers. You get like Foster's or Carling and people like that do a, a Radler, which is, uh, I think, as I sort of said, uh, as we chatted about earlier, is possibly 
um, just a, a lager with a little bit of a lemon tint to it. Yeah, at least or, what you get over here. Yeah, usually I'm used to like fruit beers where fruit has been yeah. put into the in the mash or where which Alex was here. I don't I don't know what step is the ideal for fruit beers. Um, I do know that my the only fruit beers I normally like are lambics, which are mm-hmm. which we've talked about before, where yeah. the fruit is done start to finish basically. Um, so it is. Much more yellow. Yeah, you know, uh, like a, uh, a Hefeweizen that's sort of very run-of-the-mill, that sort of palish. Yeah. I've seen this in the, before because, of course, now I'm drinking out of green bottle. But it, it is it's that sickly pale yellow color. Yep, yep. Smells... Oh, that's what it is. The grape and, and the orange make the lemons smell a little more like cleaner. Mmm, mmm, disinfectanty. Oh, there's grapefruit in here. Good. There's no beer in here. <laughs> it is a very tasty, refreshing citrus juice drink, though. It's quite bubbly. What um? What percentage is it? Four. Oh, okay. Yeah. So there is a bit of booze in there. Yeah, the the barking squirrel was only five. Oh, interesting. So the aftertaste is basically a watered down grapefruit taste that lingers for less than ten seconds. Yeah. Quite strong <laughs> for the first couple seconds, and then just sort of disappears. And you're like, "What does that taste? Oh, I better have another sip." This is a yeah. this is a patio drink. One of those drinks that you can just keep drinking. And, oh yeah. This is a session, like a like a session to get you in trouble. Drink, and I say yeah. drink because I can't quite call it a beer. Um, not only because it's not all beer, but because it just has no beer taste. <laughs> like they've hidden the beer in the juice. That's fine. It makes it easier. It makes people buy it more. I would imagine. Yeah. Um, you can hammer it back and just keep going. Yeah, so it's from Moosehead in um, St. John, New Brunswick. I don't know where that is, but okay. Yeah, it is an even smaller province than Nova Scotia. (laughs) Cool. Right. I shall chat very swiftly about um, three games. I'm going to blast through these. Um, Oh, sorry. I'm interrupting you. We distracted ourselves i wanted to know the free game of the week is is a multiplayer like can 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 i compete with you for transport subsidies um i'm not sure i would have to look into that further um i've only played the single player game because i've only played a couple you know i've only played maybe two games of it just over long periods of time it's one of those games that there is a fast forward button, so you can churn through the um, through the months Not and me. the years. But um, yeah, but it's one of those that you you just take over a you know it's one of those relaxing games where you just take your time with it, sort of thing. So I've not really delved into the whether there is any sort of multiplayer aspect to it. I was just thinking it, it probably wouldn't be. I mean, depending on what the base game was like, but I bet it wouldn't be that hard to do. And it, I think that would give it a lot more longevity for like revisiting. Although, yeah, quite possibly. Having you just reminded me that you sort of set it and forget it style gameplay, 
really changed that, I would think. Yeah, and I mean, it's. I suppose it, even though it's an open source game, um, whether they have servers supporting it as well. Right. Um, because someone would have to pay for that. I don't know whether there's a, a donating community behind the game. Oh, or but it's an just... old game. Back when some dude hosted the server and everyone logged on to some dude's computer. And if his yeah. connection bogged down, everyone's connection bogged down. Yeah, very true. Which wasn't actually that long ago. Like That's how I played TF2 when it was new. <laughs> and I paid for it because it wasn't free to play at the time. Um, yeah, I think... Something like uh, Quake Arena was the last game I played like that, but that's going back a, a, a little while now. So, But yes, these three games that I have played that I shall very swiftly jump on. Right, the first game is Tetris. And it's a mobile phone version of Tetris, published by EA. And the only reason I played it was because I've been on holiday and I've had a couple of plane rides to play. Right. Um, and... Because it's on a touchscreen phone, it's not quite Tetris in the classic sense. Um, you don't spin blocks as they're moving down the screen. You have a timer, and at the end of the timer, the block will drop into a position. And you use your touchscreen to basically pick which position you would like the block to fall in. You have to do so before the timer runs out, otherwise it will just drop down. It's quite simplified, but it's... Uh, very easy to keep playing because the timer isn't extraneous. You, you're not under pressure until you've built up through a few levels until you're quite far into the game. I mean, one game I, on the, on the plane, played for 20 minutes. So you get a, a good amount of time out of it. And if you're looking for something which is free um, to play on a trip where, you're, you know, where you don't get travel sick, say, and you're able to stare at a screen... Um, the size of a mobile phone. It's it's not a bad little game to play, but it's not classic Tetris, and it's not what I was expecting from a Tetris game, I suppose. Um, the second game is Entwined, oh, which uh, is one of the free PlayStation Plus games last month. Yes, which I have it, but now... start it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're now listening to this, they've gone. You can't get it for free anymore. Um it's it's okay. You're what, basically, I don't even know what style it's. Yeah, sorry. Um, it's a like a twin stick. Um, not quite an endless runner, but you're basically moving forward as two different entities, and you use your twin sticks to move the two entities around a circle. Um, and there's different bars that you have to hit. There's different gems that you can collect, and at the end of each stage. The two entities, which is a bird and fish, combine to create a dragon. Because ah, yes. the storyline tells me that they're in love and that dragons are, you know... Love? Couple's ultimate form. So at the end of each stage, you then fly around a 3D plane, 3D space, collecting gems as a dragon. So it's quite different to what you've sort of experienced in the normal sort of stage. Um, I've not played a huge amount of it. It was something I delve into for sort of you know a very short period of time, but possibly not something I would go back to. Mm. Um, but I, I think it's one of those sort of Sony made, Sony published games that came out a few months ago, um, which has just ended up on PS Plus because they want to check it out to a few more people. Right. I think. See if um, people talk about it. 
Exactly. You know, more exposure, people tell their friends and try and get it out to even more people. Um, but the game that... Uh, I, it sounds like Ooh. it might be one of those perfect games for the Vita, which I... It, they gave it away in all three platforms. Um, yeah, they did, they did. And it, it probably would fit very well on Vita. Um, it seems like one of those games, the stages aren't very long. It's something that you could very easily play sort of on the move. Um, oh, uh, I need to ask you a traveling. question. Yes, yes. Is there a PS version of Super Stardust? Uh, PlayStation version. PlayStation 4. Of Super Stardust, they have re- yes, I believe there is. You need to I think get there that. Was a, I think there was a re-release of Super Stardust, maybe HD, Super yeah. Stardust HD, maybe which, the which is what they called it on the PS3. Okay, um, that is the most played game on my PS3. Really, Super Stardust is by by far my favorite twin stick shooter. It does it okay. all really well. There's just enough. Uh, it's easy to pick up, great for multiplayer, um, and but like to get high scores, mm. like to you, you need to collect those multiplayer flyers. You need to plan with your power ups really well, and you, you need to get things done quickly. It is nice. extremely hard when you are trying to get the points, but not mm. hard when you're trying to just play. It is a great game. So there's a little bit of strategy involved in it as well. Yeah, but it's it's not it it doesn't prohibit you from playing if you aren't good at it or aren't interested in that much of a challenge. It's a really well balanced game. Coolie, nice. Sorry, nice. You said twin stick shooter. Just like yeah, that. yeah. Well, it's a, it, it, so entwined wasn't a, is isn't a shooter, so you don't shoot anything. It's just a twin stick oh. movement around a, a circle, basically that you're moving forward through. Um, but yeah, the the final game which I'm not really going to talk about is Journey which is fucking fantastic and I'm not going to talk about it because you should just play it I uh, own it you know if you've got any Playstation platform pick it up play it because it's a fucking immense game I've heard nothing but good things I got it in a used game store in the UK when my PS3 was still in storage (laughs) <laughs> uh, and I haven't actually I forgot it's literally in the cupboard across from me and uh, I, I just forgot that I had it and hadn't played it so you yeah yeah I mean it's, it's by that game company who also made Flower yeah and uh, Sound Shapes Sound Shapes no not Sound Shapes I wasn't super impressed with Flower the way some people were or Flower or Flow Flow no so uh, maybe they made Flow Ooh, they definitely made Flower which I enjoyed, and where you're a petal and you just move across a landscape collecting other petals. Mm-hmm. Um, but they just seem to create these very experiential sort of games where you, you uh, at least with Journey and with, with Flower, I just wanted to keep playing. It's one of those where you get to the end of a section and you just think, I'm, I've got to continue, I have to keep going. Um, and, and Journey's just a game that uh, evoked a lot of emotion. Um, um, and it was just uh, yeah, it's oh. yeah, it's fantastic. You've obviously played it before. Um, yes, any yeah, I played it on PlayStation on the, Three. Uh, on the four, um, it looks slightly better. The particle physics work a little more. There's possibly a little more to it, uh, but it's essentially exactly the same game. Good, just slightly up-raised. 
which we so, talked so, about before, um, seems to be, uh, as far as remaking games, seems to be the easiest thing for developers, but also there's a lot of, I don't know if you've been paying attention to the Final Fantasy VII um, yeah. remake news, but it seems like a lot is on the table for change, not just graphics. Yeah, I have I have heard things like the battle system. But like ATB was great. Active time battle. Um, yeah, it was. It was. It was right the, for that game. Also, the techno um, group ATB uh, was really good in, <laughs> in the late nineties as well. Right about the right time period. Um, but uh, yeah, like, and I don't know how to feel about that because I'm really annoyed with people who are like. You can't remake this because it like some things they're remaking and there's no reason to and there's no vision on why except a money grab. Yeah. But in principle, I don't mind taking an IP, especially when the source is different, which isn't the case here. But and just playing with it. Yeah, um, completely. I mean, they, with Final Fantasy VII, they are re-releasing the original game. Um, or they're, they're porting over the PC version of Final Fantasy VII for PlayStation 4. So if you want the original game, that will be available to you at some point to play on your PlayStation 4. Well, when I just take my original Final Fantasy VII discs that are on the spindle upstairs in my office that I found earlier today and put those nice. in. <laughs> well, exactly, which you can still do because you have a PlayStation 3 which plays those games. Oh no, I'm talking about the PC discs. I also have the oh. this this PSN version, which I can play on both my Vita and my PS3. And it only mm. just occurred to me that if I got a PS4, I couldn't play it at all. Yeah. On that system. Mm. It's it's odd that even the PS4. it doesn't transpose across the PlayStation Four. Well, P- PS1 games like that. It's it's been software emulation since the PS2. I think I don't think they had a chip in the PS2 to emulate mm. PS1. So there's no reason. Like the PS2 emulation, architecturally apparently is tricky because the emotion chip is was very unique. Um, which is why when they first tried, I think I already talked about this before, but when they first tried the software emulation on the PS3 of the emotion chip, it was really buggy. Um, sure, okay, that's tough, but PS1 is perfectly emulatable, so that that's just a money grab at this point. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But then, as we were talking about with backwards compatibility last week, and sort of Sony's stance upon it, it, it all seems like a bit of a money grab. Oh yeah, and now that I say that, Final Fantasy VII is such a landmark game in gaming, in my opinion, yeah. and in most other people's uh, opinions, well... Most other people's, you know, very small domain. Um, but why wouldn't you charge people because they'll pay? Exactly, exactly. I, mean, I have will. it on PC. I have it on, like, I have the discs on PC. I have it on PSN. And I have it on Steam because on a Steam sale, I'm like, yeah, that, those discs aren't going to last. Plus, I forget. I don't even know where they are. I now know where they are. Um, yeah. But, like, I would actually have to swap CDs. Slash, have a CD because <laughs> um, <laughs> like the Final Fantasy old RPGs are really great to play on on a laptop. Mm, definitely, an underpowered definitely. laptop. Like Torchlight 
plays really well on my MacBook Air. It just, yeah. you know, it, it's a not a graphical powerhouse game. It's the right type of game where you don't really need a huge screen. Um, I don't use the touchpad, obviously, if I get a mouse, and then, then it's, it's a great little machine for that type of thing. Nice. Um, but I couldn't play my FF7 discs on, on my quick air because there's no seat. Sure. So, shall we move on to our topic? Right, yeah. Which... Oh, um, yeah. Uh, I will say, I did mention another game, Antichamber. It, oh, you will, did? Yeah. I will, I've talked about it before. It's a really excellent first-person puzzler with a gun of sorts, which we can mm-hmm. get into. But I, it's really hard to describe uh, easily. Challenges pers- your notions of the genre and fucks with your perspectives because you know walls aren't necessarily walls. The path you've taken isn't necessarily the same path, even if you just turn around. Stuff mm-hmm. like that, and it's all about trying to. It's it's basically all the puzzles sort of hinge on you thinking outside of the genre's box. Uh, but I think the best way to do that will be to do one of our last orders, uh, which hopefully we'll get done later this week. Yes, definitely. We should do a video on Antichamber very soon, I believe. Um, so, Gamescom is going on at the moment. Mm-hmm. Microsoft have had their conference earlier today. I managed to see a little bit about it. So we thought we'd chat about our impressions or our uh, what we've taken away from the Microsoft um, Gamescom conference, very briefly. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, we don't sort of touch upon the gaming conferences too much when we um, we have our topics and our discussions, but because it happened today, we thought we would. Yeah. So I'd like to, the, the first thing I want to throw out there is that Kogi, Koji Igarashi, who is making Bloodstained, is a crazy motherfucker. He bowls out on stage, cracks his whip, and just chats about his game. It's like, yes, you are fucking awesome yeah pretty much um, uh, and you know he, he originally made um, Castlevania he, he you know one of the um, more celebrity sort of developers I suppose um, but Bloodstained what I've seen of it is looking pretty nice they uh, revealed a, a third character type um, a demon hunter character whilst he was out chatting but it's more him he comes out in a cowboy hat. He cracks his whip a couple of times. You almost forget about the game. You just sort of want to see a little bit more of him chatting about whatever he wants to chat about, really. Uh, the, the move of the cult of personality. Exactly, exactly. It worked for, what's his name in the Black Turtleneck? Steve. Yeah. Mr. Jobs. Yeah. It did. Very much so, very much so. Uh, and maybe we'll talk about cult of personality on a later episode. Because we constantly come back to people like Kojima and and, and stuff and discuss them. Um, but what have you taken from the conference? Um, I didn't get as much of a chance to. I really wanted to see to watch through. Uh, I think it was very prescient of us to talk about backdoor compatibility last episode mm-hmm. um, because uh, the backwards compatibility announcement. Um, that they made was really interesting. There are games with gold if you're an Xbox Live uh, consumer. Uh, now anything that's given away for the Xbox 360 uh, from now on uh, will 
like any games for gold Xbox 360 will be guaranteed compatible with the Xbox One. So yeah. the Xbox One people are now getting two games a month at least. Like, but like the main two releases are now going to be playable on their machine, which I think is a really smart move. Because, I mean, as as we talked about last week, apparently it's just a rubber stamp by the manufa- the publisher to because mm. really made the the emulator that solid. So now it's like, well, why not just pay, pay it forward? Play the backwards compatibility game to your advantage because it's not actually costing you that much money. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think that's probably the, one of the biggest um, points to come out of it. Like, you know, we I constantly talk about PlayStation Plus and and how good I think it is, but suddenly Games with Gold has doubled its you know its value really, and they might be games that come out that you've already played or games that maybe you're not that interested in coming from. Um, you know, from 360 and you've already upgraded to the Xbox One, but it just gives you a lot more diversity. It, it does give you more games to be able to play. So yeah. when you come through something like the summer months where maybe there's not a huge amount of games coming out that you're sort of not picking up, there's not these big blockbuster sort of titles coming out, you've still got a, a massive stable of games to fall back upon um, and be able to, you know, just clear your backlog as such. Um and there's lots of, you know, PlayStation did this. There's so many PlayStation games that, that just passed me by that I didn't have the opportunity to play. So it would be fantastic. So for anyone that has an Xbox One, this is a massive, massive um, announcement. And for anyone with a 360, it, it sort of, it just gives you even more incentive to to upgrade and, and not think that, um, that, you know, that you're sort of, Fine on your 360, just playing those kinds of games. So, yeah, I think that is we'll big. See. Uh, it's, I mean, if they're saying the fall is when their um, backwards compatibility comes out, given this announcement, I think they must be lobbying publishers pretty hard for their signatures because mm. um, the, I mean, the, I can't remember. Did they say anything about a new hard uh, hardware refresh? Because uh, I think they're bringing out a one. Yeah, there's um. So part of it was uh, was it a Halo bundle or the, yeah, the Halo console that was coming out as one terabyte yeah. console. That's right. So yeah, they seem to have um, to have upped the the hard drive as such. And, uh, and so the rumor is that there'll be um, better. Oh, that the, there's a hardware refresh underneath there, so it'll be quieter and run cooler. Blah blah blah. Because it's been long enough that. Both the the rumor mill has been saying basically both the PS4 and the Xbox One um, could easily have a hardware refresh because that's it's about the right time in the cycle and mm. it'll be cheaper at this point to use the faster chips because of um, economies of scale. Yeah, and other like it'll now co- it'll cost start to cost more to keep the old chips. Because they'll be the only ones buying them, so the factories they have to pay for the, the whole um, the lines to just make it for them. Versus if they do slightly faster stuff, then sure, they're repeating laptop and desktop peripheral stuff, etc. Mm. Um, so that's be quite that's quite nice because you always know that you're you know they are going to keep up with the market as such. They're not just going to have a chip just made for them. So you know that you're. 
constantly, it, you know, if you pick up a console two or three years down the line, you know that you're getting something that is up to speed as such. Well, yes. Yeah. It's, it's built for that time, almost. Yeah, and of course the limitation is um, you cannot, they'll, even if it's a faster chip, games still have to be made to run on the original console. Yeah. Um, I've never had a problem on a PS3 game, but I haven't bought a new one in ages. But like I've got one of the original emotion chipped PS3s, um, and it plays everything fine, but it sounds like a fucking air turbine. <laughs> and it has always been super loud, but like I have an Xbox Slim, and I got used to its span, which isn't that great, I thought, but nothing compares nothing compares to you PS3 original <laughs> nice yeah it is a loud fucking machine oh God, definitely the but then I understand the Xbox One's quite a loud machine as well so hopefully as you say if they've got a, a bit of a refresh they're able to um, sort of bring the fan speed down which will hopefully quieten it a little bit and and things like that which just make it a bit of a nicer experience to be able to use yeah so I'm I'm, I'm pretty stoked um, on on that announcement, I think that'll that'll push the. I think that'll that'll might sway people back to buy the damn thing, which means publishers might actually care. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely, I, I think definitely. It seems like Microsoft has realized they're not on the same playing field as Sony, and they need mm. to put their money where their mouth is and actually like give incentive to get to gain, get the ground back. Um, they see a huge weakness in Sony in backwards compatibility, uh, and the, and not only are they saying, well, yeah, we've made, not only did they put the time in to make sure that theoretically any game can be, but now they're saying we're giving them away, right? Like that's yeah. a very shrewd move. It um, is, it is, but almost I think the 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 other thing that I wanted to bring up from the conference, um, which almost goes in the opposite direction, is that they kept. Iter- or they they kept saying that a lot of the games that were coming out were both Xbox One and Windows 10 compatible. Yeah. So, it, in a sense, they're almost saying, well, there, there's obviously a large market of people with with personal computers. A lot of them are going to upgrade to Windows 10 because we're allowing people on Windows 7 and 8 to upgrade for free. Mm-hmm. So people will have Windows 10, so we can either tap into that market, but does that then stop people buying an Xbox One if they know they can also get a game on Windows 10? Uh, I don't think so, because in order to play the... In order for someone to play a game at the quality of Xbox One, they'd have to have a pimp computer. Yeah. Or a three-years-ago pimp computer. Not two, maybe. And if they have that, they're not a console player. You're not. You're the. So, so that's part one. I would I would say is the people who. They're they're losing already lost people would be my thing, and also because sure. they're Microsoft, they are part of a larger machine, and that larger machine wants his a lot of games coming out on OS X now and you know because everyone's got the same Intel hardware and they're actually reinforcing the idea that PC gaming is on the on a Windows machine 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. The other thing is that um, this is part of the global Microsoft attempt at retaking over is they're putting the Windows 10 to a certain extent on the Xbox One. Yeah. Like the new interface is, is basically the Windows 10 interface. So they're, they're making it so that your Windows 10 is the interface, right, that you will mm-hmm. see on your computer, which means your Xbox will look like your computer, which potentially might mean that people will be less scared um, to buy one if they're not gamers. Um, and that coupled with the like the DVR announcement that they had, yeah, yeah, which is big. So, so they they're. It seems like what they're doing is delivering on the the Xbox 360 and PS3 promise of a media box that plays games. Yeah, they're they're. It seems like they're paving the way for, if not intuitive, at least something you'll be used to because everyone's going to upgrade like. Your enterprise is going to upgrade to Windows 10 at some point, and people are going to get used to that because, from what all the reports are, it it is stable and it seems like it is the next in the generation of, uh, you know, Windows 95, 2000 XP, Windows 7, where all the shit generations, no one counts, and all these are all the good versions of Windows that everyone eventually adopts to. It sounds like Windows 10 lives in that space, and then. Mm. If you've got a set-top box video game console that does your Netflix, looks like your computer, probably means you can quickly check your email on it, you can do your YouTube on it, and you can tape TV shows on it. That's how. It, it. I mean, I don't know. I've never used the Windows 10 interface, but it it does sound like they're they're at least attacking that place in the market. I don't know if they'll... Yeah, definitely. It almost almost seems to be driving them more towards their original sort of mission statement uh, and more towards what they originally said the the Xbox One would be um, until they sort of... You know, they, they sort of presented it as a a media box as such that played games. You'd be able to do all of these different... Um, things with film and TV and and some such on it, whilst being also able to play games. So it seems a lot more now that they're starting to realise that. Um, and uh, okay, we're eighteen months into the sort of the console lifetime, but the same as anything, sort of technologies continuously change and and improve. So it's nice to see them progressing, really. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so those would be the thing. <laughs> You'll notice that the things that I'm, I was intrigued of from the brief um, exposure to what happened at Gamescom are almost they're all conceptual. <laughs> yeah. Um, I should give a rat's ass about Halo Five. I've played very little Halo in my day. Uh, and by that I mean I think in a uh, friend's apartment in Amsterdam I played one evening of Halo 3 I think it was or whatever was out at the time um, never I played Halo 2 a little bit at a friend's house but this is my pre-owning a console can't re look and walk at the same time and let alone aim era yeah, controller yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I played a lot of Halo 1 played a little bit of Halo 2 but dropped out after that um, and things like the Halo 5, um, yeah. sort of the very awkward and slightly annoying eSports 
slant that they took on it with the, the shoutcasters being cunts, basically, um, was a little bit odd and not really something that I was interested in. But, you know, out of everything that we talked about from the conference so far, none of them have really been games. As you, as you say, it's all been um, more the, the concepts and the features that they're trying to bring in and the integration with PC and things like this that seem a lot more exciting than the actual games themselves what the technology and what the box can actually do rather than what you're able to play as such. Yeah, and that's sort of my um, my worry uh, mm. is that conceptually this all sounds great, but you, you need software to back that up. It's all well and good to be giving away games, but like you're making it easy for me to adopt, uh, upgrade from my 360 to an Xbox One, but I'm not going to bother spending any money if there's no re- like there's nothing compelling on the Xbox One platform. Mm, mm. Unless my Xbox 360 is dying or something. Yeah, unless it breaks and you you have more of an incentive to pick up pick up an Xbox One rather than a new or power a cable. secondhand 360 sort of thing or power cable. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> which you still haven't done, obviously. <laughs> Nice. Well, we shall finish it there then. Um, I will say that the Quantum Break game okay. looked interesting. I've only yeah. seen a few screenshots. Uh, I don't I don't remember what studio it is. Uh, nor do I. The, the previous um, trailer that they threw out seemed very interesting. The sort of time shift and, and stop mechanics seem... Um, yeah. It, it, like they'd, uh, they'd be a very good uh, sort of feature for a game. Um, whether it, it goes down to sort of like bullet time sort of mechanics is quite nice. Bullet time is always very good. So yeah, I'm hoping it's like a like an actual next gen version of bullet time. When I played Max Payne the first time, it was holy shit! This is amazing. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it's still basically one of the best implementations of bullet time. Yeah, definitely. Um, and so I'm hoping that... Uh, yeah, I'm hoping that, that the one thing that's uh, really got me curious is is it... Um, is, is it going to... Could, this could be something really unique and refreshing um, gameplay-wise. Yeah. Which... which we haven't seen new gameplay mechanics that are startling in a while. Yeah, um, definitely. So I will say that. Um, I really enjoyed Crackdown 1. Crackdown 2 was a travesty and boring. It uh, was. Crack- because of that, I have no... I, I saw uh, Crackdown 3. I'm like, maybe, I'll start, maybe I'll play another round of Crackdown 1. Open my old save file where I'm super-powered and <laughs> annihilate some, some bosses on hard. Just smash through it, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but like I, I don't know. Crackdown Two gives it such a terrible taste in my mouth that mm. I, I mean, I'll watch some gameplay of three because uh, that was one of the first Xbox games where before I had an Xbox, I was like, man, I wish I had an Xbox. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, I know um, Crackdown Two is sort of a much maligned game, isn't it? It's um... yeah, it just it it. Somehow they made it clunkier. Mm, mm. But um, anyway, uh, yeah. So, uh, favorite beer? 
So I think I'm going to go. I only have I had the Camden House Lager and the Meantime London Pale Ale, and I think I'm going to go with the Meantime. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's very nice. It's very smooth. It's it's got a nice hoppy finish. It's got a nice hoppy smell. And uh, as a lot of the beers that we sort of pick, I could drink that a lot. I could I could continue drinking that definitely. Excellent. Uh, it'll be a shot, but I'm going to pick the very inoffensive but not impressive Barking Squirrel Lager on the grounds that it's a beer. And, <laughs> yeah, not uh, a fruit juice. Yeah, I will say I enjoy the um, the Rattler, the the Moose Light Rattler. It's tasty. It's just not a beer. Do you think uh, with the Rattler, maybe you've lost you know one layer of enamel off your teeth as well? Does it seem like it would be a sugary overload? Oh, so one of the things I like about it is it's not um, it's not an alcohol pop. Okay. Like, it's not a Smirnoff, uh, Mike's Hard Lemonade, or, uh, mm, so mm. I'm trying to remember undergrad. Mike's Hard Lemon, high school. Mike's Hard Lemonade, or Bacardi Sp- Breezer. Yeah, Smirnoff Ice. Smirnoff Ice, yeah. Hooch. Seem to remember that was an alco pop of um, some point. I don't think it's in the UK. Us. Um, no. But yeah, so it's, uh, it does taste like fruit juice. I can bear, I cannot taste the alcohol. It's refreshing. If I was this sweaty under the sun, it would be perfect. But Good. It's, it's not beer enough to be a, a beer. Uh, yeah. Uh, in, in that they're just such different beasts, like, I couldn't even compare them. Mm. So, the one that's actually a beer is the beer of the week from Canada. <laughs> the other one is a good drink if you're on a patio and aren't looking for a beer, but looking to be refreshed. Nice. After your extended explanation, I feel I should say that the Camden House Lager is a very good as well. Um, it was just beaten out by meantime because the the London Pale Ale was just really fucking nice. And, and as I said, I could probably drink the Camden House all day, but I think I would pick the, the London Pale Ale in the meantime over it. So that is why it has edged ahead very slightly. Excellent. So we have been tanked up. We are on Twitter at tankedup underscore cast. I'm at Nova underscore 47. Adel is at the Omniarch. That's T-H-E-O-N-N-I-A-R-C-H. You can always tweet us. Let us know what you're doing. Let us know the beers you're drinking. Let us know the games you're playing. Also, you can follow us on YouTube where aforementioned um, last round, last orders of Antichamber should be up this week. And we're just tanked up cast. Yes, we are. Uh, we have... Last week released a Witcher 3 video, um, uh, Last Order's video on that, because I've chatted about it far too much on this podcast. So, as with Hector, we thought we'd do a little 15-minute video, so you can head over to YouTube and watch that. We'll hopefully have a few more of these videos up for you, of games that we've chatted far too much about. Or games that we feel like, like Antichamber, I have only mentioned a couple of times, but I feel like the medium is the message and the medium should be visual. Definitely, definitely. But with a lot of games, it's, it's you know, you almost need to see them mm-hmm. to believe them. Well, like, I can describe Retro City Rampage and it, you can kind of picture it. Uh, I can't, I don't think you can easily picture Antichamber. Yeah, that's very true. And I think it's, I suppose a, a lot of things like The Witcher 3, you sort of, you can look outside 
and it looks like that, just slightly computerized. So you don't quite, you know, from where the way we're describing, you don't quite get the shadows and the lighting effects and things, and you know, it's not really comparable to a huge amount of of games that are out at the moment. So it's always good to be able to actually see what we're talking about as well. So yeah, go to YouTube, have a look at those sorts of things. And if you feel like not tweeting us, you can always email us at tankedup underscore.tanktup.cast no, at gmail.com. Right. Definitely, definitely. But that's it from us. Um, we shall catch you soon. Later. Sounds good. Ciao.